and we're live. Yeah, what does Charlottesville have in it? <laughs> UVA. That's it. Why do people love living in Charlottesville? Oh, is your microphone on? Yeah. I don't sound good. No, you sound very quiet. We might need to... Um, let's turn up your volume. Check, check, check. Your number one. Turn up your gain. Check. I think that that's better. better. That's better. Cool. We're in business. We have the same microphones. Why didn't mine suck? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Charlottesville, UVA. I don't understand why why people like living out there, and I don't stand the I don't understand the culture of crunchy people. I've never heard of crunchy people. Granola. What? You've never heard this term. Mm. -mm. Uh, a crunchy, well, a crunchy person is a term for somebody that's granola. Uh, basically, somebody that likes to basically think of people that live in Colorado. You know, they drive Subarus. They love to go on a morning hike. You know, on that morning hike, they pull out their granola, and that's what they're munching on for the snack throughout the hike. So it's like people that are super active, you know, they probably have 10 Patagonia shirts and jackets and hats, and like they're they're not sponsored by them, but, you know, they have to have the new Patagonia, whatever comes out. It sounds like they're not like active in a cool way, though, because um, I can think of people who probably eat a lot of granola, but... I think they're pretty cool. <laughs> well, it's not just people that eat granola. It's like you have to do all of those things to be right. granola. Like what you're describing right now sounds like Zach Inman. But uh, but Zach Inman is that's my dog, and I I think everything like most of what yeah, he's doing is dope. Yeah, they're definitely a little bit weirder than Zach Inman. But Zach Inman's got his weird sides. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, Zach, I mean, we all have our yeah, weird we, sides. Yeah, that's I'm why not, we love not, Zach. I don't though. use weird in a like a derogatory. Like Zach does whatever the heck he wants and doesn't like care about what anybody thinks, which is what a lot of people strive to do. Um, he's living the dream, but he's got a weird side to him that's really funny and really like just a different mindset than anybody else you know what i mean yeah he marches to the beat of his own drum yeah that's for yeah. sure like that's yeah. why the bucket boys had a segment on their show called where is zach inman yeah. like you just never know what he's doing <laughs> you know he's this mysterious guy <laughs> so uh, and that's why love you him. love zach inman uh i would say zach is like a, a little crunchy a little granola. I'm trying to think of somebody we both know that would be classified as granola. Um, I honestly can't think of any of anybody like that that I know. A lot of a lot of people in young life circles are granola. Yes, but it's the it's the white person. Yeah, with typically has a, a lot it, of money. I think to that's be able a classification. And, they have to be white for the, sure. Yeah, the blonde and blonde. Maybe no. I would say there there might be more like <clears throat> may, uh, brunette but blue eyes white people oh, that are granola. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just you know think I mean? yeah listens to Avit Brothers. Yeah. Um. And Bernie was borderline granola. Taylor boy. Swift probably. 
a lot. I don't know about Taylor Swift. I would think more like Tame Impala, like kind of like the, oh, you don't you don't know who these people are. You don't know who this band is. <laughs> Where's Anklets? They're like hipsters, but kind of. that climb mountains. That are yes. all about climbing mountains and drive a Subaru. That's yeah. a huge thing. You got to drive a Subi. So Alex is almost there. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know if she classifies. Oh, yeah. She's she's white. She has green eyes. She's, got, she's brunette. brunette. Does she eat granola? Uh, I, I don't really see her eat granola that much, but I know that her family Maybe likes she's Atkins it. bars. Oh. If you're familiar with Atkins bars. Why do old people swear by the Atkins diet? I don't know. I I I took one look at that ingredient list and saw that it had soy in it, and I said, "I'm not no soy boy. I'm not going to eat this and up my estrogen levels. <laughs> yeah. Get that out of my face. Get it out, dude. Do you know what the Atkins diet is? No. The Atkins diet is basically the old people's keto diet. I really don't know what the difference is. The whole point of both diets is to keep your carbohydrates at a like, significantly low level. Like I think in Atkins, you're not supposed to have more than like 20 grams of carbohydrates a day. Hmm. And I think in keto, you're not supposed to have more than 10. I really think that's the only difference. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't imagine having a diet where I only eat 20 grams of carbohydrates yeah, a day. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You're already done. You're, you're, you're... I took one bite of my bagel sandwich. And you're done. And I was done. Yeah, so, but for some, <clears throat> for some strange reason, old people, like, any time they go on a diet, they're just like, yeah, I'm going to go on Atkins. And it's like, what? what is this obsession? My dad, like, anytime he tries to go on a diet, he's like, yeah, I just got to go on the Atkins diet. Just got to cut back on my carbs. <laughs> well, to be to be fair to the um, the boomers, that's like I the only like, diet they had. Well, the Atkins diet is their diet. Our diet is the whole thirty diet, which honestly makes more sense. But it's still a very cookie cutter diet. Whole thirty and keto, I would I would say. Keto, a lot of people are yeah. or uh, the Plexus diet. Oh God! Don't I don't even know what that is. I don't even want to know. Uh, I don't know. I don't actually know if there's a diet associated with it. But there, the it's pink just a, drink. It's a drink, right? The pink it has drink has probiotics in it. I don't. It's mysterious. It works magically. Oh. Okay. Would you like some? Just kidding. I don't have any. I don't drink it. Yeah. I won't. You won't drink it. You refuse. No, I refuse. I'll get my probiotics <clears throat> through other sources. How about that? What like kombucha? Yeah. Yeah. Like sources Dude, I that I don't if- have to pay an ungodly amount of money to get. And also, I don't have to be a rep to sell it. Oh, to sell kombucha? You, you can just be- <laughs> Yeah, you can just buy it from the store. Yeah. I don't have to buy it from a well, Plexus rep. Well, I don't have to. You don't have. Well, technically, you don't have to be a rep to buy Plexus. But they, but they want you to be a rep. Oh, they sell it to you? Yeah, like it's a pyramid you, scheme. Be a rep. Oh, it's multi-marketing. Yeah, multi-level marketing. Multi-level so marketing, They yeah. start selling it to you. They're like, oh, don't you see the benefits? It's magic. And then they ask you if you want to start selling it yourself. Why are Christian people so easily like influenced don't by that? No. What's up with that? Multi-level marketing schemes, specifically, people are super, they fall for it. Yeah, I think it's like, I think there's something about um, 
faith, having faith in things, um, that is good. It's good to have faith. But when you get somebody in a Christian circle that starts doing something like this, it's like, oh, you want to be in our, you know, you want to start your own business, have influence, be able to work from home and all this kind of stuff. They're like, yeah, let me get in on that. And then before you know it, they're in a pyramid scheme. Well, you know, and I don't want to be rude to anyone that's listening to this. If you do these, like, I don't agree with you, but I'm also like, do your thing. If you're selling it and you're making money, that's great. I'm not going to buy anything from you. But if you want to go ahead and do it, that's great. That being said... Of course, yeah, you can do it, but it's... Well, that being said, it's mostly... I've I've come to this observation. It is mostly stay-at-home moms. Yeah, they're on Facebook all day. Yeah, but you know, I I I think there there's a reason for that. Like, if you're a stay-at-home mom, either one, like you want to you want to stay at home with your kids, see them like at least for their first few years, like ensure that they're growing up the way that you want them to grow up and you know, you might not trust other people watching them, which is totally fine. Um I don't have a kid, so I can't comment on that. Um but I would probably feel the same way about like weary of who's watching my kid, who's doing that, you know, just a a tad. So I understand being a stay at home mom or dad or whoever but also there's there's the there's the idea that if you are a stay-at-home mom like or dad like and you can't go out and get a job like the lore of being able to work from home mostly like advertising over social media it does sound like pretty like appetizing you know it does sound like oh like i could do this and i just have to post on my story once or twice a day like sure so i can see how people that are stay-at-home mom dads whatever kind of get into this sector of work yeah i could see how but it's but at the same time i yeah i don't i don't agree with what you're doing because then what happens is uh, in a sense, a lot of your relationships become commodified, and you so get you see you see the relationships you have as business opportunities, mm-hmm. and it you know just mm-hmm. if somebody were to reach out to me, they're like, hey dude, hey what's up man, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah. Like, oh hey yeah, I'm good. How about you? It's like oh I actually have this business opportunity. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's like, the biggest thing that where those people go wrong is like. Hey, if you're if you're a Christian and you have relationships and then you turn those relationships into money grabs, that's a real shame. Like that that will ruin your credibility of who you are and what you're like the relationships that you build. However, there there are those like freaking idiots that like oh that that might have been too much, but we're going for it. There are those idiots that like you have not seen since high school. You've not seen their face in person in seven or eight years. And they reach out to you and say, hey, how's it going? Like, saw you got married. Congratulations. That's awesome. Like, would love to 
like hang out, get coffee, whatever, like and just see you and catch up. And then you're like, oh, yeah, like this isn't my personal experience. I'm very good at sniffing out pyramid schemes. But, you know, I I know Brooke has Brooke or Brooke's friends have had some people that do that. And then they go and get coffee. And then it's literally them trying to sell their product for an hour. If you approach me and you the first thing you say is, hey, like in a high-pitched voice like that, <laughs> I'm like, don't talk to me. Because I've noticed that there's a difference between when people speak with their head and they speak with their chest. Mm. If they speak with their chest, they're a real one. But if they speak they're with like, their head, hey. it's like, hot. yeah, like that. No, I'm just kidding. That's a little too much. But if you like, you know, it's and I, I do this sometimes too, like especially when I see somebody that I don't want to talk to. I'll do that as well. Oh, like, you're like, oh, what's up, man? Good to see you. I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? You know, that's my head. Yeah. My chest is, hey, man, what's up? You know, it's, there's a difference. Um, or yo. I or always, like, if I see somebody I know, I'm like, yo, what up? Yeah. I'm not like, hey, good, like, hope you're doing well. Yeah. It, the key, uh, if you like, ever see me out in public and I say, oh, man, it's good to see you. I hope you're doing well. And I walk away. I don't, I don't like. You don't care. I'm you, not, you don't actually mean that. I don't bump with you. <laughs> I don't. Bump I don't, with I don't you. bump with you, bro. Like, no, like, but if I see you and I actually like have a conversation, and if I say the words like, "Hey, we should hang out or meet up sometime," then I do want to hang out. But if I also, if I don't hit you up, then I probably have just forgot. Don't be afraid to hit me up. I'm not one of those people that say like. We should hang out sometime, and then I don't hang out. Like, I don't, and then I don't intend to hang out. Like, if I say, hey, we should hang out, I have the intention to hang out. If I say, hope you're doing well, I don't want to hang out. I don't want to see you. I don't care to see you again. I don't like it when someone says... Let's hang out. You should hit me up sometime. <laughs> no, you hit me up if, if you want to hang out. If you want to hang out, yeah. hit me up. Yeah. So if I want to hang out with you, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to hit you up. Or I'll just say like, all right, dude, I'll see you later. And then I just hit them up. You know, don't yeah. make these false promises. Or let's hang out soon. Don't tell me that either because we're not going to hang out. Be like, hey, what are you doing next Saturday? Yeah. Let's get some coffee. Pick a date. Yeah. You got to, yeah, you actually got to like. Say something specific or else it's just not going to happen. It's just an empty promise. The only reason that I don't do that is because I think I've I'm a victim of I don't put anything that I do. I don't put it in a calendar. And so I am a constant and Brooke gets mad at me for this. I'm a constant victim of planning things and then stacking other things on top of those things because I've forgotten that I planned this thing. You know what I mean? Like I am constantly like, Hey, what, like let's hang out next Saturday. And then we hang out and then we schedule to hang out next Saturday, but then I'll see somebody else and they're like, Hey, what are you doing next Saturday? There's this going on. And I'm like, Oh, I'll be there. And then like the Friday before that Saturday, it's like, Oh, crap i totally forgot i told two people i would be at these places right and so what do you do do you stick with the first plan or do yeah, you, you go have to the to, second right? you have to stick with the first plan um, do you though for the what majority. if the second plan is way better mm. for you that's tough then i might i 
I also like I don't care about like friend group circles. If I'm friends with you and I want to do something that another friend group's doing, I'm not afraid to invite that person into this other friend group. So first route I would go is I would see if I could cancel on the second plans. If the second plans seem awesome, then I will try to invite this other person into the second plans that seem awesome. Or I... I, I'm also very good with shifting times depending on if the other person can. Like, I'll say, hey, actually, I forgot about this thing that I'm doing at 12. Can we hang at 10 instead? And if they say no then to both, then I'll cancel the second plans because I've, I've made that commitment to the first person. That's not a bad way to go about it, yeah. I will, yeah, but I will do anything in my power to try and either merge plans or switch times or whatever it will be. I think I've like, I think if there was an Olympics for like switching time plans, I I might be, I might qualify. I might not be a medalist, but I might qualify. Yeah, I am. I think it's a case by case basis for me. You know, it just depends on the situation. And at this point, like. Um, I, I don't really have any expectations for plans for the most part. Yeah. At this point, like the amount of times that like people have bailed Mm -hmm. on plans, whether it's other people or me is, you know, you can't count. Yeah. So anytime I make a plan, that's not like super set in stone. I'm like, we made a plan. But, you know, this is always subject to change. So not having expectations about you know, if something's actually going to go down, actually like freeze up a lot of stuff and there's always things to do. So I don't, yeah, I don't get upset about that kind of stuff. Like I used to. Yeah. Me neither. If somebody, honestly, I saw a meme the other day that said like, don't ever be afraid to cancel plans with me because I'm, I'll just get back in bed. I think I've become that meme. Yeah. Like if, or I'll go do this or I'll go do that or hang out this. Yeah easy see i'm the type of person like if my schedule frees up i'm like dope dude i can sit on my couch and watch a documentary like yeah or like just like go to bed early you know what i mean yeah because something will sound like a good idea on one particular day and then when the day actually comes say you've gotten like sleep deprivation and you want to go to bed Mm -hmm. then not having that plan makes it that much better. Yeah. But I typically try not to skip out on that kind of stuff, especially when I'm you know, excited about right. it. Right, 100%. Yeah. Speaking of sleep deprivation, this is something that I wanted to talk about. Are you deprived? Yes. Is that your beef of the week, sleep? Yes. Sleep is my beef of the week. Okay. Let's Big beef. Um, okay. So historically, I've always had bouts of insomnia in my life, and I'm sure a lot of people could relate. It usually stems from one some kind of stressor in my life that's keeping me up at night and i like to call it sleep related or life related anxiety that per, like it's like a chronic acute stress that prevents me from falling asleep at night and then once you get caught in the cycle of not sleeping well you want to sleep well at night and then you're um 
wanting to sleep so badly at night keeps you up as well. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And I've kind of been going through that right now. Um, I wake up for work around 6, 6.30 every day, which honestly, if I lived in a perfect world, I'd wake up at 7.30 a.m. every single day. But I don't live in a perfect world at the moment. Um, and I'm struggling with sleep deprivation. It's hard for me to sleep at night. I wake up several times throughout the night and it's mostly related to like just waking up and going to work in an office every day. If you know me, you know that that's not my ideal situation. I would like to do something different. However, I'm also trying to make the most of it, um, and make it as good as I can possibly make it. But at the end of the day, this is not going to be something I'm doing forever, which is great. But yeah, fortunately, last night I got eight to nine hours of sleep. Finally, after, but this is what I learned after I, um, I had a conversation with my girlfriend, Alexandra. Uh, she's a nurse, so she does shift work, day shifts, night shifts, and throughout her whole life has had trouble getting consistent night of sleep just because she's always done so many things like in high school took a bunch of AP classes was a swimmer so she had to wake up early in the morning for swim practice swim after school do her AP homework before bed at night and then you go to college you know with those same habits and routines and then you become a nurse like yeah that's chronic sleep deprivation and so she was telling me about how she went into work or not to work. She went to the gym and people asked her how she was doing. And she said, I'm doing good. I'm just really tired. I was, I'm trying to catch up on sleep. And one of the guys at the gym said, you know, you can't catch up on sleep, right? Yeah, I've heard this. And she was like, what? And so she, she was just like, I don't want that negative energy. So she left. And then several hours later, she told. <laughs> she just, she, she, yeah, she, she just yeah. abandoned the workout. She, no, she, she just abandoned the conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then went to go yeah, work out. Yeah. And then she, later that day, she <laughs> tells me about this. And I was like, what? You can't catch up on sleep. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So true. I was like, you can catch up on sleep. What are you talking about? Because you don't get enough sleep one night. You sleep good the next night and you feel better the next day you caught up on sleep and so i decided to google this and i literally googled can you catch up on sleep and what i found was that when you have chronic sleep deprivation so say you only get six hours of sleep a night for like a week or a month it takes longer than just a couple nights good sleep to recover from that chronic sleep deprivation yep. than you think. Yep. And what I saw was that like if you have chronic sleep deprivation, it can take nine days or longer to fully recover your cognitive functions, your emotional, physical, all that sort of health. That's awful. It's awful. And I'm like, holy crap, like I so dread going you cannot catch up on sleep. Basically, unless you consistently get good sleep every single night. Yeah. And like the big kicker from this was like if you get as if you miss as little as one hour of sleep um a night. Hold on, I'm gonna have to Google this again. Don't quote me. But the article was like if you miss one hour of sleep, just one, it takes three days to make that up. I was like, this is this is ridiculous. What? Like, no way. Yeah. Right? So, hold on. Let me let me pull this up. Um, let's see here. 
Can you catch up on sleep? And yeah, like this is just adding fuel to the fire of insomnia at the end of the day. But there's, I know that there's solutions. I don't think that these articles are as like literal as they seem to be. Have you done? Like, have you ever done a sleep study? I haven't, but maybe I should. You could try it. Uh, well, I'm I'm indifferent to sleep studies because I know people that have gone in to. Well, you go ahead and say okay. www.sleepfoundation.org says while sleeping in for a morning or two may help, it's often not enough. Research has shown that it can take up to four days to recover from one hour of lost sleep and up to nine days to eliminate sleep debt. Got to be careful with .orgs. Do you? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just a, one article. What? No, no. I'm, I, I'm joking. I, I, I believe do. that. but uh, So I don't really believe, though, four days to recover from one hour of lost sleep. That's, that's, that's a, a lot. Little, that's, that's no. Come on now. Like, and you tell me you get seven we, hours of sleep one night and then nine hours of sleep the next night. You don't make that up. Also, if that's I get wrong. seven hours a night, I feel pretty good. I need eight at least. Seven is I think okay. Seven's my minimum. Seven's my minimum too. Yeah. Six, I can like make it through the day. But if I get less 100. than six, I have a crappy day. Yes. And I need yep. a nap, which is the perks from working from home. Uh, but you need <laughs> you just need a work from home job, though. Dude, I mean, I think really what I want to do is structure my life so that everything that I do is something that I genuinely want to do and that I look forward to doing. So like right now, like there's some days where I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm excited to go to work and make money, but I don't want to do the same exact thing every day forever. You should work for that weighs on me. You should work for a European based company. No, like I think what, is going to happen is I'm going to start working for myself in some way. I think that's the way to do it. What are you going to do? I don't can know. You, can I don't you know yet. start an engineering firm? Is that what you would want to do? No. What no. do you want to do? You know, I don't really, I don't really know yet. Um, you just going to start. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have some Shenandoah ideas. LLC and yeah. go for it. I'm uh, what are your ideas? I'm not going to, I don't really feel like talking about them. Because okay. I feel like if you talk about ideas, especially in a public sense, it kind of it kind of kills them. What? No way, dude. I think so. I think it motivates to like go harder after it. Cause, well, here's here is in my mind. I'd rather just do it, you know, instead of talk about it. I have ideas. I'll, I guess as I do it, I'll update you. How about that? How, that sounds good. I think differently. Where if I'm not talking about something i'm probably not doing it so i've been talking to you well i will talk to you about this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. off you don't the, podcast. the podcast i don't want to talk about it on see the podcast. for me i live in like i live a life where i this is like getting very introspective but i've noticed about my this about myself my whole life I live in a mindset where I think that my life is a spectacle sport. Uh, 
where people are watching me, which this is totally crazy. And this might be like, well, like the Truman show. Have you seen that movie? Maybe not like the Truman show. <laughs> and I haven't seen that movie. I know the premise though. Like you're, are you saying you're like the hero in your own movie? I'm not the hero at all. I'm not the hero. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that just people are like watching me do what I'm doing. So the more that I do what I want to do, like the more gain that I'm getting. Maybe that is the hero. Maybe that's just you're me. The, you're the main character. Maybe I'm just a sociopath. I think not no, the main No, I think that's a very healthy way to look at your life. Well, so for an example, like if I, if I was... I was in high school and I would go to the stadium at Great Bridge to run and no one else would be there, but I would envision people in the stands watching me and like cheering me on. And if I was failing, like motivating me to do better. I think that's kind of crazy. At the same time, what I do today is if I want to do something, I speak about it to a lot of people. Because when I speak about it to a lot of people, in my mind, and this is just a trick that I do, and again, this could be totally sociopathic, but in my mind, they're going home that day and they're like, I wonder if Andrew did that thing. And if I don't do that thing, I feel like a failure. So what I've been doing specifically like the past month is I've been working out and trying to eat healthy. And I've been talking about that a pretty good deal to people because it motivates me to talk about that to people. Talking about it to people motivates me to go to the gym and to track my caloric intake because I'm like, oh man, the next time I see that person, I want to look better. Like I want to be able to say that I accomplish this and it's you want not, accountability i guess yeah but not like the thing of it is is like the next time i go see whoever i'm telling unless it's you they're probably not going to ask me about it you know so if i don't talk about it then odds are i'm not doing it all that to say if I if I'm telling you that I'm wanting to do something, I've already put it in the works to start doing it. And then when I tell you that I'm doing it, I'm doing it like and that's motivation for me to be able to talk about it where you are somebody that wants to have the inner circle of people that know what you're doing, know your aspirations. Like if I put it on this podcast, like, hey, I'm going to work out and I have a goal to like be at my goals in the next year. And I keep talking about it every podcast, then I'm going to keep doing it. If you hear me stop talking about it, that's when I've stopped doing it. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's just different, different strokes for different folks. You yeah. Know? And different like motivations, different, like you said, like you're almost more motivated to do it when it's not in a public sense. Yeah. I, because. You want to do the work and not talk about it. Yes. Because I don't want my, like, I don't want my intentions behind what I'm doing to be corrupted by wanting to people please. Yeah. I don't, I don't want my motivations or like the things that I want to do to be because I'm trying, because 
I'm to get validation from others. Yeah. But having said that, I think it's very human to want that too. So I think I do look for that in some ways, even if I'm not conscious, conscious about it. I think validation is good. We're, you know, we're social creatures. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I think there's very few people who like truly only do things for themselves, but that doesn't seem natural to me. But there seems to be like this balance that, um, some people have where ha- they have this perfect balance of doing something for themselves, but then inviting other people into that. And then it becomes this thing that everybody enjoys. Who's your best example of that? Do you right now, the top of your mind, there's two people uh-huh. that come to mind right now. Well, actually three I want to, before it slips my mind, I want to just mention this. There's this guy named Andrew Huberman, Huberman, I think. He's a professor of neuroscience at Stanford. Sheesh. And he has this podcast. I thought you were about to say Andrew Tate. No, no, and no. I was going to I was going to lose it. <laughs> so he has this podcast called Huberman Lab mm-hmm. and he where he dives into a lot of topics surrounding neuroscience and like health and all this stuff. It's very good content. I love listening to his stuff. Um, highly recommend it. But he was talking about intrinsic versus intrinsic extrinsic motivation one time where intrinsic motivation yes that's him intrinsic motivation is something that you do that is like literally born just from like yourself and like your pure enjoyment of doing something Mm -hmm. and extrinsic motivation is being motivated to do something because other people around you um are rewarding you for doing that. Mm -hmm. So there, he talked about an experiment where these kids, uh, they, they like rounded up a bunch of these kids in like preschool or kindergarten or something like that. And they just had these kids do whatever they wanted. And there's this one particular group of kids that started drawing a lot and like just making art and they really enjoyed it. But then what they did is they stepped in and they started giving those kids gold stars for doing, for drawing. And after those kids got those gold stars, they were less and less motivated to do it just for pure enjoyment, but only wanted to draw when they got gold stars. So eventually when they stopped giving them gold stars, the kids stopped drawing. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Even the first kid that started drawing? Yeah, it was like a group of them. Huh. So I don't really remember the point of that, but there's something to be said there about doing, like not letting um, other people rewarding you for something to ruin your pure enjoyment of something in the first place. Right. Right. But it, in the same vein, like, okay. And so now, now let me get into the two other guys that come to mind. The first guy is George Carlin. He's, a, you know, yeah. one of the goats of yeah. stand up comedy. The OG, a lot of people yeah. would say. I love his stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said about his stand up is he said, I don't do this for other people. He was like, I do this for me. Yeah. I get on stage and I do stand up comedy for me. 
and it and I need the audience there, obviously, and the audience are a part of it. But ultimately, I'm the one that's enjoying this. And then he's like, but the audience just happens to enjoy it with me. Mm. Right? So, like, that's amazing because that, because George Carlin is staying true to himself and not letting his mind or his heart or his motivation behind things be corrupted by other people, what other people want him to do. Mm -hmm. And he's staying true to himself at his core, true to his, like, soul, so to speak. And so that, I love that. Which very few people do. Right. Um, But it's actually, I don't know, like, you, I mean, I'll talk about Jesus. Look at Jesus. Like, he went away from the crowds of people and his disciples and stuff and mysteriously disappeared into the mountains to be by himself for indefinite periods of time mm-hmm. and then would return and talk to the people again. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about that, like, isolation or, like, that time alone where when you're in the quiet of just being by yourself, you're able to connect with with God or connect with yourself on a deeper way than if you're around people and around noise all the time. That's distracting you. And so that brings me to the last person, Justin Vernon of the band Bon Iver or Bon Iver. Um, bon Iver. He's famous for going into like a cabin in the woods for a long period of time after he was like sad about something to do some soul searching and is in that cabin. I think, I think it's, um, off his EP blood bank. Um, but like he just made music by himself there a lot. I didn't know this. And there's one song on that EP called Woods. And mm-hmm. the whole, yeah, it's sampled on Lost in the World yeah. on um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. And it's just, it's four lines that he just repeats over and over again um, that are kind of ambiguous in meaning, but the sounds that he makes in this very simple song is like it just speaks to you like and i can't explain it but that is like what i'm kind of chasing whatever that is right and uh so it's it's artists like him it's artists like kendrick it's artists like george carlin that don't produce all of this like honestly garbage art in my opinion Mm -hmm. because they're not worried about the numbers and about this extrinsic stuff yeah they disappear for years at a time and then come out with a body of work that has accumulated over years that's true art whereas like someone like the baby who i love the baby don't don't get me wrong like i enjoy (laughs) his music in in its own way but like he's putting out music like once a month, I feel like our future is like once a month. It's like at the end of the day, it all sounds the same, and it's just a bunch of noise. Yeah, like it's not gonna stand the test of time. Yeah, it's gonna like represent the culture that we're in right now, but it's not gonna stand the test of time the same way a uh, Kendrick album would. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm gonna, I like that's why I love Kendrick. That's why I love George Carlin. That's why I love Bon Iver because yeah. it's just it's real, and I don't. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I think I rely too much on extrinsic because it feels good. You know, you want people 
you want people's approval. You want people to think good things about you. You want people's rewards. And so a lot, like, it's very hard to not fall into that kind of rhythm where you do things because people think that you're doing good. I'm a very... I'm a very extrinsically motivated person. Is that a word? Extrinsically? Yes. Uh, I would say that I'm mostly motivated by outside stuff. Um, But there has been this thing in probably the last three years, I'd say. Probably when I moved to Fredericksburg. Of how can I get myself to intrinsically motivate myself to do the things that I want to do and succeed in. And I think I'm kind of coming into my own in that kind of, uh, doing the things that I want to do and, and succeeding in them. Um, and, and getting the gratitude for myself in that. Uh, I think a lot of it has stemmed from like, you know, a little bit of isolation from COVID, which is good because you have to like keep yourself moving. You have like, I don't know, during COVID, a lot of times I was alone with my thoughts, you know, and just thinking about the things that motivate me, the things that I want to see myself doing in five years, you know, just kind of these goals, you know, and there's no one there to extrinsic, like, what's the word? Ex- extrinsic. Extrinsically motivate you in those goals. Like, when you're isolated, there's no one pushing you to get better. You know, you can FaceTime people, but, like, it's really whatever you want to do, it's on you, you know? Yeah. And so I think there was a clash where, you know, COVID kind of ended and I'm around people again and it's okay, I'm going again for what motivates me like extreme uh, i cannot say this word extrinsic yep extrinsically motivates me but now that i'm again now that i'm working from home and i'm married so i'm seeing i'm hanging out less with people um not that i'm not saying that's a bad thing i like it. i like hanging out with at home with my wife uh there's that kind of more introspective look to intrinsically motivate myself. Yeah, I like hanging out with people who know themselves well and are yeah. true to themselves. That is a soul nourishing time. Yeah. As you know, pretentious as that might sound. But when I hang out with people that don't really know who they are, it's exhausting to be around them it, because it's a lot of noise. It also that's what makes it feels me like. sad. Right. For them. Right. Um, and there's different levels to this, you know, like there's definitely, there's plenty of people who are way more in touch with just uh, God or the truth of themselves or whatever, however you want to put it, mm-hmm. than I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And I probably sound like noise around those people. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could kick it with, you know, Justin <laughs> Vernon or like Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And, you know, feel you know, like I'm like I'd feel out of place. I'd be like, wow, these guys are like they understand things way more than I do, right? And that 
typically comes with age as well. Well, and you you have to you have to realize that they've gone to a place where they need to try and understand themselves better. Right. Justin Vernon went to a cabin in the woods by himself for months. Dave Chappelle left what he was doing, left millions of dollars on the yeah. table at Comedy Central to go find himself. You know right. what I mean? And, and Kendrick did the same thing. I think uh, after Good Kid, Mad City, he went to South Africa as well, just as mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle did. So there's like these like pilgrimages or something that yeah. a lot of these guys go on. I think that's good for you. And These I intrinsic think, journeys yeah. where you take yourself to go find yourself. And like really the things that make you tick, the things that make you, you know, want to be you. Yeah, there's there's like you can see patterns of this everywhere if you can if you have eyes to see them. You look if even the Bible, like I just I feel like with a lot of uh Christians in the church like there's just this very surface level cookie cutter like understanding of it, but like the f- person who's considered the father of Judaism, Abraham the the one that God single-handedly picks and says you're going to be the father of my people of many nations. He basically like gets told to go on that pilgrimage himself. He's like get out of your father's tent and go and just figure it out. Yeah. Like take a step of faith. Yeah. And like with all of these biblical characters you see that same thing happening. Yet we're sitting here in suburbia reading these pages still stuck at our same jobs that promise us retirement and health care and all this stuff and it's like cool i mean that, that stuff is nice those are great like modern you know like innovations to things but like it's also i just i've always seen it as a slow death I've always seen it as a trap because the guys who own the company who are telling you to accept this retirement and this healthcare and stuff are making way more money than you. Like so much more money than you were. Like that's not even a consideration to them. I'm, yeah. I'm sure they have healthcare like in some capacity, but like to just sit there and think, oh, I'm just going to be a good person and go to work every day and do my job and do it well. Like, that's that's good. Like, please keep doing a good job. But, like, just doing that just so that you can retire one day with a very limited amount of money compared to the guys who own the company who are giving you these retirement benefits who don't even think about retirement in the same way you think about it. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, right? And so... There's this like, I, like I think there's something so special about just really coming to terms with the fact that you're gonna die, like mm-hmm. having people who have near death experiences, like are be, like there's just something that clicks. There's something that changes in them because you realize like, why am I spending all of these precious hours every day doing work that anybody else can do that I don't really care about? just so I can fit the mold of the people around me. And there's this mass, like, just, like, groupthink mentality about how things should be done that's keeping you from breaking out of that. And I just, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want, and the thing is, you can, I feel like at any point in your life, 
you can realize this and then take the steps that you need to take to break out of that. But I think that um, so many of us are trapped in it because everybody around us is thinking like that. And if you start to question that and, and, and talk about it, some people get angry. Some people get mad because you're, you're breaking out of the mold that whoever has set for you. Yeah. Why do you think people get mad at that? Because it, they have to come to terms with it. Because they've been, they've, they thought that they were doing, quote unquote, the right thing this whole time. And, uh, and now they're like, oh, you're telling me that all that was just a waste of time? And like, people don't want to admit that like, they're stupid. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, I'm stupid in so many ways. But... I'm trying not to be <laughs> like the second you're able to just be like, just, just shut up and just like take a look around and like recognize that like you don't know a lot of things. So just be open to learning like that will change your life. I have a disdain for people that think they know everything. Yeah. Especially people that are our age. Yeah, there's a lot of people our age that think they know everything, and yeah. I don't want to be around those people. Hey, if you've got it all figured out, that's good, man. Yeah, don't tell me how to figure it out. Yeah, and I don't know. You know, some people they they might want to live in that mold, but like, do you really like? Well, they well, it's not necessarily they want to live in that mold. They're already accustomed to that mold, and it's comfortable. You know, and this is what I know is the people that stay in that mold and like choose not to break out of it, they start to get bitter and resentful over time. You can see it happen. And like I've, I'm not going to name any names, but I've like talked to some of these people over the years and they'll like ask me very cynical questions about stuff that I'm doing, you know? And I'm like, you're just like, you can do this too. Like go do what you want to do. Like, and this is something I really want to mention. Names. No, nah, I'm not Just naming no names right I know, now. You don't have to. But like, uh, our bodies like have a, like this intelligence system embedded into them. Like that is evolved and adapted Thanks, over Elon. thousands of years or however many years, you know, depending, you know, millions and billions of years. I don't know. Billions I don't know. Okay. What's that? Is that from a Crystalia pod? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Billions and billions. But like, if your body is telling you to do something or it's telling you that something's wrong, it probably is. Yeah. It just, your, your brain hasn't caught up to your body in some ways. Right. Like, um, and it's so important to listen to that because I've gone periods of my life where I haven't listened to that because I thought like, oh, I got to do this. I got to, you know, this is what the Bible says, or this is what my parents are saying. This is what my friends are saying. And I've just like not been true to myself in that way. And I've gotten chronically ill and even sleep deprived, <laughs> you know, and it like would literally destroy me and eat away at me. And then I, I, I remember like looking at other people doing what they wanted to do and feeling resentment towards them because I'm like, why do they get to do that? But I don't, mm. you know, but I maybe didn't want to admit it at the time. So that's why I know that when people are cynical or resentful towards you for that reason, I'm like, I was you at one point. I get it. Right. Um, so, so yeah, like I don't think it's natural to wake up 
every single day and do the the same thing to work for some company that wants to make money off of your like like you're you're literally just a cog in a machine and so they want you to be a docile obedient person and just wake up and do what you're supposed to do every day and do what you're told because that means they get to make more money right and so why am i why am i going into an office and staring at a computer screen for 10 hours a day when there's so many other things that I can do, right? And I don't know, maybe my job's gonna hear this and fire me, but it'd probably be a blessing. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, I was telling people at work, I was like, why do you work here? You know, and they're like, oh, because I like doing it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I don't like doing this at all. I was like, I like to talk to you guys and walk around the office and talk to you. I like, but I'm ultimately showing up here so I can get my money and go home. <laughs> So what are you doing there? What am I do what do you mean? What are you doing there? Uh what am I doing at my job? No, like why are you there still? To make money. Yeah. To make money and it's it is as much as I don't like it, it's providing some structure in my life. Yeah. And it's allowing me to be around other people because they're like for the past like two years I was doing like tree work and like yeah. construction work. And uh a lot of times I'd be working alone. And it was very isolating and that was hard. That was very hard. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was just, it was, it was physical labor. And I was also like working out, maybe doing too much outside of that. Uh, so I was just also tired all the time. Um, but what was frustrating about that is that uh, I felt like, I do feel like the work environment that I'm currently in is a lot more collaborative and cooperative than it was um at like my construction job. Yeah. Uh, just cause like the kind of person that has like, you know, learned to like work with others at a successful engineering firm, um, is different from the kind of person who has just worked construction ever since they graduated high school, mm -hmm. you know? So there's like, uh, there's less of like egos that you have to deal with. There's definitely still egos, but there's less of that. Right. So it's less stressful to be at my current job. It's, it's, it's the lesser of two poisons. Um, at the moment. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, obviously like I think my dream and I think a lot of other people's dream is to be able to like have more freedom and like do what you want to do and collaborate with other people who also are on that same plane. Yeah. Like I don't, you know, I, I think cooperation and collaboration is like the, one of the best things about work. You, you know? know what I think the... The biggest problem about that mold is, I think if we lived in other countries, it wouldn't be as, well, I don't know if I'm going too far with the statement or I'm like wrong with the statement, but I think if we lived in other countries, it wouldn't be as hard to break out of that mold. Would it be as hard? Like, I think it could be hard. Like think about if you're in the Middle East and you're, <laughs> you know, your neighborhood's getting bombed every day. You don't have an education. All you know how to do is work a cashier at a gas station, you know? So we, we are in a very fortunate situation. I'm saying just to break out of the mold where you have to work a nine to five every day to get the money to live the life that you want. Like, that's the American dream, right? And so, like, it's, it's harder to break the mold because that's the standard that's set as the American dream that says like you need money to do things in order to get money you need that degree so you can get a job 
and work nine to five to get that money to do the things you want. Like it's a cycle, right? Yeah. You want a house? You need you you gotta get a good job. You want to get a good job? You got to get the education. You want to get an education? You got to study for however long it like. But it's the I, whole thing. And sure, but there's you know people like Joe Rogan, for instance, who didn't get an education and is making more money than you know so many people doing things that he loves to do every day because he provides something that's very valuable. Sure, but that's the outlier. Guy. That's the anomaly. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, it didn't, you know, that didn't happen for him overnight. No, I'm not saying it did. But I think that him thinking the way that he does allowed him to create a space in which he does that. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that, like, you know, that is limited. Like, no. people like Joe, like, that is an unlimited amount of space because he's literally created his own, like, environment. Mm-hmm. You know, like there, there wasn't like a limited number of spots at the top of the podcast charts for him. He yeah. literally just did his thing and then people liked it. And then now he's at the top, which wasn't even his goal in the first place. He didn't have an extrinsic goal. Mm-hmm. His goal was intrinsic. He just enjoyed what he was doing. Yeah. And he just kept doing that. Yeah. And now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... You know, I've gone down the path of like, you know, getting the engineering degree because it was going to give me money and do this and like out of fear that I wasn't going to have a job. And, I, you know, it's like I don't want to live like that anymore. You know, that's what like, I'm saying. That's the American mold. Right. That's yes. so what I'm saying. That's is, the elites mold for the common American people because yeah. they want us to like be cogs in this machine mm-hmm. so that they can keep stay at the top one percent. Yeah. And keep things running smoothly and provide order to like how they want the world to be. Yeah. With while we're doing the dirty work for them. But what I'm saying is in other countries, that's not necessarily the mold. Oh, like what? What countries? Like just any other country where you really don't need a degree to succeed. Well, I I don't know. Like I, I think that the same thing actually applies here. Like, I think it applies everywhere. I'm not... Yeah. But, like, we but need a paradigm shift. But what I'm saying shift. is that that is the... That is... Lit- like, when I say the words American dream, that is the American dream. Is to go to college, get a degree, get a nine-to-five. White picket Make fence. $100,000 a year. Get a house. Have a wife. Have three kids. You know? Have, pay for those kids' college. Like... That's your whole life. That's the mold that America has been built on. Yes. Yeah. And it's not a bad mold. <laughs> like I, I will say it's, it's not like, horrible. It's not terrible. There's worse molds than that. 100%. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if that's the American dream, it's harder in America to break out of that mold than any other. Because place. it's such a good mold. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I agree with you. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, what? Aren't you grateful for this? Yeah. You know, just like, uh, yeah. It's like, okay, keep doing what you're doing. Do right. what you're told. It's yeah. like, okay. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. But it's starting to break a little bit. For sure. I mean, like, I think just because I the think people's podcasts, mindsets the are internet. shifting. Yeah. Because, yeah. 
Yes. Because we there's like these long conversation forums like this that everyone's listening to now. Everyone's listening to Joe Rogan, listening what he has to say. Everyone's like, that makes sense. That resonates with me. I want to do that. And I think the culture is definitely shifting. Well, but the biggest problem that you have is that you have people... The majority of people that try and break out of this mold fail. That's that's the thing. Really? Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. Yeah, I think... Like, how many people... Like, just for an example, how many people quit their jobs and try to go out to Hollywood and act? How many of those people actually make it through? Not many, but at the same time, I, I think that, like, you're still you're abandoning one mold and going for another mold when you try to go to Hollywood and act because Hollywood even has like its own Well, set you of could say that for anything. Mold. You're and jumping like, And a lot of people mold. that do that like are actually doing that because for like extrinsic reasons. Like they're going out there because they want to become famous and make a lot of money and all this stuff and be like the big face on the movies and it's like, don't do it for that reason. Like, do you really want to go be in Hollywood? Probably not. Like, and that's why I actually, so. But I, what if they do? Yeah, some of them do. And they and still they, fail. They though. do still fail, but guess what? Like, they they fail, but at least they tried it. You know, yeah. at, at least they went for it. And but what I'm saying. Even if they fail to be a Hollywood actor, like, they can have the pride that they went out and they tried it. And then afterwards, they could figure out something else. Like, Frankie Muniz, I think, he was, like, an actor in Malcolm in the Middle and Agent Cody Banks and all that stuff. I think the dude sells wine now. And apparently, he loves it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he had the money to do that. He did have the money to do that. But, like... It's very easy to switch molds when you have money to do so. True, but like, you know, there's there, okay. So I think well, what I'm you're not making hating on Frankie Muniz, but what I'm saying, like, it would be very hard for somebody that doesn't have the millions of dollars that Frankie Muniz has to go start a winery and a successful winery. Well, that's why you don't don't start a winery then. Like, look at what you have and and do the best with what you have now. You sure. know what I mean? Like, live inside your means and but, make the most of that. But what if what you have isn't what you want to do? Then, then start working towards it. Sure. So, like, say you want to start a winery. But you, then... Say but then, you're, uh, but you're, then, you're like me, who works for a civil engineering firm. I don't have that much money. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't know what the steps are to start a winery, but I know I can at least start now and have like a 30, 20, 30 year plan to do so mm -hmm. because over time I could, you know, collect my income, invest it in the right mutual funds, keep working, accumulating that, buying a house, flipping it, you know, doing whatever I need to do to make that money, meet people who do have wineries i could work at a winery learn about like all the ins and outs of the winery um start have you know like there's just so there's an infinite number of ways to get there there is but what i'm what i'm trying to get down to is like 20 or 30 years down the line your taste buds change you might want to do something else and, and that's then great spelt, but then you've spent 20 30 years building up these resources for something you don't want to do again and then you're stuck in a different mold but then you just change it in take everything that you learned from everything well, that you 20 did or 30 years later than that you're dead 
Yeah, but at the end of the day, you just... You so make then them, you just spent your whole life like, in this mold, is what I'm saying. Not is. really, though. Like, you're still... Like, I think, you know, like, the, what's the saying? Like, enjoy the process, not the destination, or enjoy the journey, not the destination. I don't think, I think anyone does that, though. I don't think... I think they do. Dude, I hate the process. I hate the process. I love it. Like, this conversation right now, to me, is the process, and I love it. Of what? The process? What's the destination? I don't know. Just, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. Like, there's what's there's a verse, Bible verse says, walk by faith, not by sight. Right? Yeah, it's I don't like, think that has to do with the journey versus the destination, though. I think it does, because even In though In a way, but like, I don't think that, I don't think that necessarily aligns with, like, the destination of breaking out of a mold. Well, at the end of the day, like your goal isn't solely to break out of a mold. Your goal is just just do your goal. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it depends on the person, but I think if you're just only trying to break out of a mold, that's kind of like a, a, like, that's not, that's not the best thing you could be aiming at. I'm agreeing. Yeah, I agree. I think at the end of the day, you it's impossible to fully break out of molds. Like I think it's like the, uh, there's like an example of like a crab. I think a crab shell sheds its shell 30 times throughout its lifespan. Like I think we're similar to crabs in that like we need to shed ourselves of stuff. We need to die to ourselves. Drop the uh, dead weight. Yeah, over time, and it just it, it like you start doing something, it accumulates, and then you need to drop it. it you start doing something else, it accumulates, you need to drop it. Mm-hmm. It's just this ongoing process of that, and I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was reading. Uh, you know, Bob Goff, Love Does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that and like there's another book he has called Undistracted, and. Uh, they're good books, you know, um, and it's all about, you know, kind of just like doing what you want to do and like, you know, like loving people and really just focusing on the things that really matter in life at the yeah. end of the day when you're on your deathbed and you're like, oh my God, like all that other stuff was like bullshit. This is the real stuff. That's not how Bob Goff said it, but it's how Doa <laughs> says it. Like... <laughs> I read those books. I'm like, man, this guy seems a little bit too whimsical. Like he's a little bit too, like, I'm like, dude, like your head's kind of too much in the clouds, but I do like reading it. Cause I think sometimes I can be too like quote unquote realistic or too like, like my feet on the ground. So I think having a good balance but is that's, key. Like that's you where like he's have, got to- have your dreams, but keep your two feet on the ground and be realistic. Do you need to though? What? Be as realistic as that. Because Bob Goff's whole success plan has been built on being whimsical. Uh, and, and that's what and worked, worked, out. worked for him, you yeah, know, that's but what I I, think that's just not how I the, roll. The root of what I'm trying to get to is that everyone, like, God has an individualistic plan for everyone. And everyone can work towards that plan and it's going to look different than the way that the next person's going to work towards that plan. And like, yeah. So, so like not everyone is going to get to their destination by doing the same process. I, I would, I would argue that everybody has a different process to get to their destination. Absolutely. And so I don't think that there's a formula to get to the journey or to get 
to get through a process to get to a destination. There's not. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the, it's funny how like many movies we watch and in every single movie, the main character goes through a series of a bunch of adversity, Mm -hmm. like where they don't know what to do and they don't know where they're going and they, you know, like hit rock bottom or they experience some traumatic event that starts their adventure. But we sit there and we, when that happens to us in our lives, we're like, you know, like, or for a lot of people, they don't even face trauma that bad. Uh, that's true, but I, I think I w- at some point w- you do. Yeah, but like to the point of a movie where you're like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I would argue that I haven't faced that much trauma and adversity in my life. Oh. As, as a well, lot you've, of You've like never felt peers. like you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do? You never felt like that at some point, even if not where like I don't uncle, you know, didn't get shot by some guy on the street and told you that with great power comes great responsibility. No, I've never felt that. I've never I've never seen my uncle get shot. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, even though that didn't happen, you still you've I'm sure at some point in your life, you still felt like I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go where I can't see a light at the end of a tunnel. No. I don't think really? I really felt that. Oh, okay. Well, like I've never like, and that's not like a brag at all. I'm I'm actually trying to say like I've felt less trauma and adversity than a lot of my peers. Like I don't know. And again, like <laughs> maybe that's coming, but like. I've never had to be at a point where I literally cannot see the end of the tunnel. And mm. I, I have absolutely no idea what to do. All the adversity that's happened in my life, there's always options of, okay, this is something I can go down. This is something I can do. Hmm. This is something... Not even for like a split second. Like, I'm saying like, there's like, uh, if you like read the Psalms or whatever, like David's like, uh, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Like, I'm crying myself to sleep every night. Like, all I can see, there's darkness in my soul, blah, blah, God, where are you? What are you doing? You need to wake up. You know, like, I've never mean, I never felt mean, like that. I've definitely been upset with God and kind of asked him where he's been. But again, that moment's very slight, and I wouldn't compare it to somebody that's been through horrible tragedies hmm. where they like actually are like, "Where's God?" Hmm. Like I've had family members pass away, and it's been like sad, and it's been like, "Man, I miss them," and like I've cried a lot about it. But I don't think I've ever been to the point where I've cried myself to sleep and, like, ever wondered, like, for a long period of time, where's God? Well, like, okay. More power to you. To give you an example, like, and I pray that, you know, I pray that the Lord just keeps it steady like that because that would be dope. But, like, you know, if Brooke ever passed away unexpectedly, I would get to that point for sure where I would be questioning my faith, like not understanding why it happened. Like literally I'm, I'm getting like really emotional right now, but like I've never had to face anything like that. 
Hmm. I've had bouts of like, I don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, why did you lead me here, Lord? Or like, why am I around? Why am I here? You know, I've had thoughts like that, but I've never been. I would I wouldn't say that I've ever been agonizing over agonizing in pain over something. Hmm. To where I can't see why it's happening. Wow. I don't know how I've never actually asked this question to a lot of people. I guess I would just always assume that everybody has felt like that. I think everybody has something that they need to persevere over. But I think some people just go through harder traumas and adversities than other people. And I would say I'm on the lighter end. Yeah, but it could also be the case that, like, you know, you just you have strong faith and that even though stuff like that, you know, happens, you can still always see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, you read the Bible or something like Apostle Paul, like... He the when he says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he says that after he's like, I've been shipwrecked yeah. and all. I've he's did writing all this. that from the time of like yeah when he's most all, hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I don't think that I you know I think it's I think it's great if you you know never if you don't lose faith. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the well, goal. And that's the fight the good fight of faith. That's it, the goal. In but life. what I'm saying is is like. I've never even had to be to that point. Oh, I mean, what I'm saying is like, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag that I've never lost my faith. That's not my point in saying this. My point in saying this is I don't think I've ever really been in that much of a crossroads where I have to question my faith to a long, greater extent. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not saying that to say like, oh, I'm, I've never lost my faith. I'm, I'm literally saying I've never been put in an area prolonged where I feel like I've had to question it that much. Gotcha. All right. Well, if that ever does happen, know that you're not alone. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. That's what I, you know, I brought up that Brook thing. Like, if that happened, I would probably be at that point, right, where I'm agonizing. Right. And I'm hurt and I'm questioning God on a daily basis. Well, that's, you know, you chose the right, the right woman for your wife. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Have you read Job? Yeah. Yeah. That's what that whole book's about. Dude, that whole book is like. I love it. I don't think I could be Job, bro. I don't think I could be Job. Yeah. Probably could. I mean, Job probably didn't think he could be Job either. That's true. That's true. Crazy. But yeah, all that to say, it's like everyone has a different process to get to the destination that they're going. And there's no formula for that process. Each formula is different, tailored to that individual. And so however you end up at the destination, whether it's by using somebody else's formula or by using your own formula... I think that's success. Like, yes, yes. But I, you know, like I think it, it definitely, it means something when there's things that grip you. 
Yeah. As an individual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, to, somebody... you have to listen to your mind, listen to your body. Yeah. Like, I think going back to what you were talking about of, like, sleep and, like, sleep deprivation because you're anxious about your job. Like, that's something that you would have to yeah. listen to your body to. And, yeah, I, I find myself getting frustrated going into work because yeah. I'm looking around and I'm like, does anybody, does no one eat? nobody feel the same way I feel because I'll I'll say little they do comments and they don't want to I'll yeah I'll say little comments here and there some to point to how I'm feeling but I won't like say it's straight up uh, with the exception of only a couple times mm-hmm. um, just to see who bites some people are good though some some people at your office are good yeah they that's what they want to be is crazy that's what they want to do which I'm at that point I'm good. Right. But some people are just afraid to say what you're saying. And I think that's unhealthy. Like if you're somebody that is dreading to go to work every day, guess what? You probably are supposed to be doing something else. Yes. 100%. And I, you know, I've been, uh, I've been debating on whether I should just quit and then figure it out from there. Catch up on sleep. Get those nine days in a row of good sleep. Sleep is good. Sleep. I mean, I'll tell you what. I actually, last night, I got between eight and nine hours. That's nice. I dreamed. <laughs> I dreamed last night. Really? Yeah. And uh, that just, it made me feel so much better today. Yeah. I, I think if you're not dreaming, that's a bad sign. Mm, I think yeah. if you're dreaming, that means you're in a good spot. And so I'm hoping to get good sleep this weekend uh, and then throughout the work week. But at this point, I literally, I, I'm in my office every day and I look out the window and I think to myself, like, nothing is stopping me from just walking out of here, just grabbing my stuff and just leaving, you know? Now, I don't really, I don't have a game plan for what it is that I'm going to do but I think I'm going to come up with one soon. Well, and see, and that's, that's where people would argue. And that's why I brought up the whole Hollywood thing is that's where people would argue. You should have a plan. Like, that's why people get, get, uh, I don't get uncomfortable when you talk about these things, but I know some people get uncomfortable when people talk about doing stuff like that because they know the statistics of how that works out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, when you can feel it in your gut, when you yeah. know, like you you know when you know, yeah. you know? And so I'm not going to just do it if, you know, I'm not feeling good about it. But like my plan would be take off work, go do whatever I want for a couple of weeks and get as much sleep as I possibly mm-hmm. can. And then from there being like, oh, okay, I, I'm awake now. <laughs> I've got, I got my sleep. So yeah. now I can draft up a plan, mm-hmm. you know, whereas right now it almost feels like I'm a slave mm-hmm. to my job because I'm like literally like there's like a cognitive dissonance in my brain every day when I do the work that I'm doing. Cause I'm yeah. like, what am I doing? Just clicking around on this computer. All I, I think the hardest part is that people that do that forget to care for themselves and forget to create a plan. Right. But that's the thing is, dude, 
I I care for myself really yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I could what make I'm up. A, I could make a plan easy. That's, that's what I I'm just saying. Need, I think I just need to make some more money, have some more money in the bank to buy me some more time, and maybe that means I work a couple more months. And that's what I'm saying. That's the difference. That's why I wouldn't be like uncomfortable with you doing that. If it was somebody else, and I like, I'd be like, "Hey, man, maybe you should." Maybe you should keep your job. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. different circumstances. Yeah. And who knows? Like, I don't know. I, I might be at this job for like a long time, but I'm definitely, you know, you just got to do the right, right steps. And yeah. Working your way towards it. And that might mean I got to stay at this job for three years or whatever, however long while, but you know, that just depends on what I figure out. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. Yeah. As long as I feel like you, your heart's in the right place. You know, you, you should got, just you're prioritizing uh, the right things. Like you're good. You should just fake like a uh, long-term disability. <laughs> this is so awful. You should just fake a long-term disability so you can like plan it all out and then go back to work, get some more money, and then freaking peace. I could do that. I'm gonna have to delete this segment. Yeah, this just delete that. Well, delete it. the last two minutes. So okay, yeah, easy. Yeah. Just delete that whole part about long-term disability. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You stay there. You do your thing. You get the money, <laughs> and then you'll 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 have the plan. I'll be a good Christian boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. By yeah. the way, for people listening, I know I bash Christians a lot, but I am a Christian myself. Um, Same. So it's just there's just a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit that pastors don't want to say because their reputation's on the line, and you know, yeah, they got to make that guap. Every week, they got to get their audiences to show up at church on Sunday. And so they're just, they're, you know, other people have got them by the balls and they can't say what they really need to say because they got to keep those audience numbers up. And in my opinion, I think if pastors were more real, I think that they would have less people come to their services every week and make less money, but it would be worth it because the people that would actually be in their services would be real people. Instead of like just wanting some comfort every Sunday, which I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it, I think church is really soothing. Uh, I like going to church one of those for that reason, but I also don't want to be around soft people. One of my favorite pastors, Matt Chandler, would give a sermon every year about how less people should come to his church. I love it. Yeah. Thank you, Matt Chandler. But for the sense of like you're coming here because like. Uh, like you're not actually getting what you're supposed to be getting out of church. You're coming here because like it's an ex- extrinsic thing. It checks the box. Yeah. Some people go to church because they're a business owner and they need to put up this like front and like maintain their reputation. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh my God, I cannot stand people who like are just emphasize the importance of reputation all the time. It's like, <laughs> don't reputation. stop caring about your reputation. Just be faithful. Taylor Swift. Yep. Is that what she says? I don't know. She's got a song called Reputation. I think she has an album called Reputation. I think she does, yeah. Yeah. I don't listen Not to Taylor a big Swift, Swiftie. though. She's, she, she markets off of... I don't know. Well, hey, can I just say, like, men who listen to Taylor Swift, big sus. Red flag. I, I jam to Taylor Swift every now and then. I mean, it's catchy, but like, if you're like a diehard Taylor Swift fan as a man, like, I'm just like, okay, bro, I'm not a diehard Taylor Swift fan. I'm Team Kanye for sure. <laughs> but you put on Love Story, I'm jamming. 
I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not listening I'm not to our lie. album <laughs> cover to like, cover. You put Long Love Story in the car on a road trip with a bunch of friends and we all sing to it. Yeah, I, I'll dudes. do. I'll sing to it. But like, am I going to listen to Taylor Swift alone like on a Saturday morning and, and have like sentimental tears and be yeah, in touch with my soul? That's sus. Hell dude. no. That's sus. Yeah. Okay. That spot's for <laughs> Lady Gaga only. <laughs> I will say, I jammed to Lady Gaga. Yeah? I don't care. Dude, I, I can't. I can't listen to Lady Gaga, dude. No, I don't. I wouldn't. On a Saturday morning when I have my coffee, I wouldn't put on Lady Gaga. But if I'm in the car and a Lady Gaga song comes on, I think Lady Gaga's I'm the... On the deep dude, like that I'll go ham to that song. That's what, I like that song. Uh, I think Lady Gaga is the quintessential pop artist of our generation. And you can argue with me about, oh, what about Queen Bay? I think Beyonce is the most overrated person in music. Yeah. I'm going to put that out there. Also, you can argue <laughs> Rihanna or Taylor Swift. I'm Team Gaga. Okay. Andrew's I'm Team a, Gaga. I'm a... I'm a Goo Goo Gaga. I don't know. I was trying to think of a... What are <laughs> her the, fans called? Yeah, that's your... F- <laughs> the meat suits. <laughs> Does she wear meat suits? What? You don't remember that? No. It's like her on. first like... Hold on, let me... It might have been the Emmy Awards. I remember she wore like a bunch of crazy stuff all the time. And that was like her thing. Yeah, Lady. that was when she like first started. Look up Lady Gaga meat suit. You might get some... Some weird stuff. Lady Gaga meat suit. Is that actual meat? That is meat. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I wonder if she's a vegan now. She seems like the type of person who'd be a vegan. Lady Gaga. Vegan. Let's Google that. Uh, <laughs> Lady Gaga explains her meat dress. It's no disrespect. Is Lady Gaga vegan? Uh, inconclusive. Doesn't seem like she is, given that she wore a meat dress. But maybe she she changed her mind. Vegans. That's a that's a topic for another pod. I got beef with y'all. Y'all don't want the beef, but okay. I got beef. So you saving this for another pod? I mean, we're gonna wrap so. it up. I think so. I think what it's time been to wrap. An hour and a half. Yeah, we're it's like been a good pod. It has been a good pod. Not really full of laughter. Definitely more of Much like more a serious. Serious. It felt like, hey, this is the podcast where you get dinner or coffee with Henny and Doa. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, and I don't mind that. I think a, I think a good kind of serious talk, like it's good deep in conversation. I think that's a good thing because this yeah. literally was like something that we'd talk over kava about. Oh, for know? sure. All right. Well. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be back soon and hopefully mm-hmm. Barry will be here too. Yep. Um, until next time. We love you guys. I don't love all of you probably, but generally I, yeah, sure. I love you. I love all of you. Okay. Andrew loves all As of you. As the Lord has loved us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. Amen. <laughs>